Welcome to Surviving Saturday, a podcast about holding on to hope in the midst of life's difficulties, disappointments, and dark seasons. Times like that remind us of the agony and despair the followers of Jesus felt on the Saturday of Easter weekend, in between the Friday on which he was crucified and the Sunday on which he rose from the dead. That Sunday forever changed the way that humans can relate to God. But what does it look like to be honest about the very real pain we experience in the in-between? To fervently cling to hope in the God who promised us His peace and His presence at times when He feels distant or even cruel. I'm Wendy Osborne, a licensed counselor in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm her husband, Chris, a marriage mediator, conflict resolution coach, and trauma-informed story work coach. Join us each episode for authentic conversations about how life not turning out as we'd expected has created the contextual soil for the growth of a tenacious hope in the resurrection and in a God who is still making all things new. Hi, Chris. Hi there. (laughs) We are currently in Bar Harbor, Maine. We are celebrating... 30 years of marriage together. 30 years. We are a little bit overwhelmed. We cannot believe it's been that long. And as I was telling somebody, a friend recently, um, the higher that number gets, the less and less I take it for granted um, to have made it to this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not for the week. No. So we were up in this part of the country about 28 years ago. 28 years ago, yes. We had an opportunity after I graduated uh, from law school. You have a a big chunk of time between taking the bar exam in end of July and starting your first job in September, typically, if you have your first job all lined up. And so during August, we were able to come up to New England. And what did we do? We spent a week or two biking end to end, which is remains one of my favorite things. So biking between bed and breakfast, carrying everything we needed in little panniers on our bikes. Um, we spent a week on a sailboat yes. and were responsible for helping hoist the sails, take down the sails. They fed us like kings and queens every night. Yes, but they worked you during the day. They did. Like, they did. You basically got to learn how how the those big sails went up and what a jib was and how not to let to let it smack you in the head as it's coming over when you're tacking and all that. We brushed our teeth on the um on the, I don't know, what do you call the front main part of the boat? And we spit into the ocean. I forgot about that. Kind of took a little cup of water with you. Well, that's because if I recall correctly, there wasn't any room to stand in like the cabin. Like you had a a cabin that had like a bed in there and there was maybe a place to put your whatever suitcase or gear we have, but there was no, there's no lounging or place to kind of hang out in your cabin. Yeah, You couldn't even really sit up in bed. They packed a lot of people on the boat. That's right. Um, we have a picture actually that will probably be posted with this uh, podcast somewhere where you can see uh, us at that age sitting there with our books and, and we're just enjoying a, a week at sea. Um, yeah, we were probably 24 and 5. That's right. At that point. That's yes. right. Yes. Yes. Right. So we'd been married two years at the time. Um, it was about three years before we'd have any kids. And now as we sit here, we are three years into an empty nest. And you know, I don't like that word. I yes. don't, I don't yes. accept the term empty nest because we're birds and we count. We do. So we, we do. call it, I call it a less populated nest. That is very uh, true. And we're the birds that started it all, but we were 
struck as we were on this trip, just, uh, you know, seeing some of it, we're doing some of the same things, not the exact same things. For one thing, we only did like two nights away from our car. I think we did more of those last time we were a little on bit, our bikes. Yes. On our bikes, yes. Um, and we are not doing the whole, you know, sailboat cruise. We are going to go out just on like a two hour, a two hour tour, you know, as they would say. Yep. I guess it's a three hour tour from Gilgans anyway. Um, but we were struck by just how different our, our mindset is really as you're in, you know, entering the, entering the fourth decade, I guess, of a marriage. Um, that sounds weird to say it that way. Yeah. We had, I would say a youthful naivete and enthusiasm and exuberance. Um, We rafted the other day and we rafted the same river that we rafted 28 years ago. Yes. And at that point we rafted with a couple and their two young kids. And I remember us commenting, um, what a cute family. This is how we were going to be. I think that I was, you know, caught up in believing we're going to have a beautiful family. We're going to vacation all the time. I'm finally going to believe I'm beautiful. We're going to like live in this beautifully happy place, just expanded by two kids. Yeah, we had both finished grad school at that point. And, and we had, I think, a pretty in some ways, idyllic, uh, you know, grad school journey. Um, you were working, I was finishing up law school. I think I had my job lined up and we were able to just, you know, really, that was the first time we had lived in the same town together. Since dating. Since we had, dating, yeah. Yeah. We had lived together as friends, like in the same town as friends. Yes. yes. But yeah. Not in the same apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about probably on another episode, that initial adjustment to married life had been really difficult because I think we were naive coming into it. Really, Uh, we had been friends uh, and best friends for several years before we dated and we'd known each other 10 years by the time we got married. Yes. And so when conflict had hit, I think I think part of why we were celebrating in 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 that that post bar trip, we'd been married just two years and we had at least gotten over the hurdle of, oh, there's going to be conflict like nobody prepared us for that. Even when people said we're like, yeah, but we've been best friends. So ha ha ha. But we at least had started, you know, we, we were out of school and starting work and renting our first house in our first town. And it looked like, you know, things were going to be going a better direction. Yep. Yep. And so even thinking back to all the things that have happened in the, those 30 years, um, the list is really full. Oh, gosh. Yes. Um, yes. We have between us buried three parents. And one sibling. Yes, my sister passed away in 2014 uh, after a battle with metastatic breast cancer. Yeah, so we've had quite a bit of cancer in our family. We've lost a handful of friends, some to cancer, one to suicide. Places we never thought life would have taken us. It's Uh not at all what we thought of when we stood at the altar in August of... 93. 93, right. Well, and when you started off, you were already uh, a speech language pathologist. That was your first career. And yep. how did that sort of, that's changed over time, right? Yeah. So I was taking my boards about six months after we got married and then got a job at the hospital in Charlottesville, working at what was then a children's rehab hospital. It probably to this day remains my favorite job in that industry. Um, 
So I did that while you finished your last year and a half of law school. Uh, that's right. And then you went on to do different things. Um, yeah. So sort of our, yeah. Our view on that. Yeah. So we had kids about five years in. And when we had our first, I, she slept so much, I was bored. And so I started a small private speech pathology practice from home and had um, former colleagues send kids to me who needed extra services. And then we, I guess I did that till we were due with our second child. And then I was home with them. And then I homeschooled for nine or 10 years. That had not been on the radar. That was not at all on the radar. We did not come up in that Not at all on the radar. And there were days, you know, I would have had anyone in a moving vehicle pick them up. But most (laughs) of the days, I loved it. Um, And then I started a nonprofit um, for women, um, more around peer counseling with some friends. Did that for four years or so. Then I went back briefly to the speech pathology world. And then I went and got a master's in counseling. Well, and I think that's one of the places where life sort of derailed plans because you had started uh, Fixing Our Eyes was the ministry. and We had a board and you were really doing some good work. And I think it was the, the death of my sister in 2014 followed by the death of your father within like a few weeks of each other. Yep. They were two weeks apart, my dad and then your sister two weeks later. And I remember yep. that just sort of being kind of, you were tapped out. I mean, yep. That was the end kind of, of being able to fundraise, being able to support. You were just kind of like, I need to just back off. Yeah. I had gotten clearly to the end of my own strength and I had nothing else that I could give. And I needed to recover and to just be and to let, quite frankly, Jesus just pour into me. And so I felt like I was, like, figuratively speaking, kind of comatose. I was just sort of hobbling at that point. Yeah. And you went back to work, partly because I think it was something your dad had said before he passed away about, hey, you could get your license back. There was some kind of timing on getting your speech license back where if you mm-hmm. did it by a certain time, you wouldn't have to take certain tests or something. And so in the spring of 2015, you go back into um, being a speech therapist, kind of working for, I think you did outpatient um, in-house or in, in, in home yeah, for a little while and then got a, a great place with, with CMC. And during that time, I had been uh, working as a lawyer. i had more job changes than I expected to. And that yeah. year, certainly I started with a very small uh, law firm um, and then got to clerk for a judge for a couple of years, which was fantastic. Went to a, another small law firm for a very brief stint. That did not end well, actually. We'll probably talk about that on another episode. Uh, but I found myself, you know, with uh, two kids, the second one just had been born, uh, looking for work um, yeah. and, and landing at a great law firm where I ended up staying for, uh, 11 years becoming a, a partner and, and enjoying the people I worked with there. And that was, that was, there was a good season there, but I also discovered during that time that I really loved teaching. And I started a, an education business on the side called real time creative learning experiences. And that sort of woke me up to, I actually like this teaching stuff. Uh, something about that is more appealing, more life giving than just being a lawyer. And that turned into getting 
to teach at the Charlotte School of Law, which we had for a little while. That may be a whole episode series unto itself another time. Um, but so it was in that that spring of 2015, you go back into doing speech. You're doing that a little bit, adding you know some money to the to the cash flow while I'm teaching. And then that summer was when I had to make the decision of whether or not to leave the law school um, and keep going with that. And so this is, I guess, that would be 12 years into the marriage at that point. We're in, in you know, 2000 and wait, no, that's more than that, isn't it? I think it's more than that. We can't really do math right now. We're on vacation. <laughs> that's but... right. Vacation brain. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but to 2015, that's right. That would, that would have been 20 years into marriage, uh, 20 three years. Yeah. Um, but, but notice, I mean, just the constant theme of there was so much more change. We didn't expect to change jobs that much. We, we haven't moved towns that much, but we lived in, I guess, I think we were counting five different houses in yeah. Charlotte yeah. Um, as of most recently. Um, and so that there's a lot, that's a lot of changes. Um, and maybe say a little bit about what, what, as far as educating our kids, uh, you start, we started with homeschooling, but where else did we oh, go with that? Well, we originally had one school picked out and Savannah got waitlisted and we thought we were just um, filling one year. So we decided to homeschool so we didn't get her plugged into one school just to move her. Um, but then ended up that we really loved the community that um, got built around our homeschooling friends. And so we did that for, like I said, nine or 10 years and then we kind of opened the floodgates and between three kids did a little of everything. So we did public elementary school, public middle school, public high school, charter middle school, um, Christian private high school, Catholic private high school, middle college, arts high school. We kind of did everything. Again, something we never would have guessed. Um, it was very different than the educational career you and I had both had. Oh, yeah. I went to one school from sixth grade through 12th grade. The same, you know, it was a private school in South Georgia. My mom had taught there. There's no reason I got to go there. Um, but I had constancy. You were in the public school system. You moved around several schools. Just but... because it was elementary, middle and high. And they were kind of changing the zoning. But I was in the same system with most of the same kids the whole way. And I remember people giving us the freedom that, oh, you don't have to do the same thing for each child or for each child at each stage of life. And that was really helpful, but it was so different from anything we expected. And we, those transitions were challenging for, for each of our, our kids as those things happened. Um, and again, there was just so much more change than constancy during that whole time. It was really, um, I think we were well into it before we realized this this change and disruption and things not going according to plan that's actually more to be expected yeah and it was just very different i think from what we had known in life my family had had a lot of stability i grew up in mainly two different houses for most of my life and my parents had the same jobs and i went to school with most of the same kids and so it was just, it was different than what I had had in mind. Yeah. And I think through there, I mean, faith was a constant for us, but faith was a journey that we were on as well. Yes. A definite journey. Um, yeah. Say um, more about that. So I knew a lot of theology in my head, a lot of scripture. It was during the time that I think it was between our first and second 
child being born, but I was in a women's Bible study and there was an emphasis on scripture memory. And there was even this program that we purchased. I think it was called Memlock system and some <laughs> older women. Yeah, yeah. It had like this plastic binder. You opened it up and it had all these like cassette tapes in it. And, um, you would listen to scripture and memorize passages and a new passage every week. And then on Friday, you would rehearse all the ones you had been memorizing. And so there were people who were, you know, had committed whole Psalms to memory or whole passages of Romans. Um, And so I got really into this. And I remember I was told, you know, your mind is the Holy Spirit's toolbox. And so fill it with scripture that the Holy Spirit that can get then can use on your behalf. And so that made perfect sense to me. And so I bought into this program for as long as I could and committed a lot of scripture to memory. And that was pretty new to me. And it was indeed really helpful. But as I went through what I would now say are dark nights, um, just painful places in life, where I couldn't locate Jesus, the scripture that I had memorized wasn't always able to speak to exactly what I needed. And I I came to realize much later, it was because the scripture was appealing to my left logical brain, which was beautiful when my left logical brain was online. (laughs) But when I was triggered, I was operating out of my right brain, which is um, the emotions that really... um, got consolidated when I had gone through painful experiences when I was young. And so it was like trying to talk my mind, trying to talk my body out of what it believed to be true. Or sometimes and it, it just was, wouldn't work. Oh, that was just my mind trying to talk your body. Well, that too, <laughs> that, that too, and that so well. didn't work any better. No. Um, and so the scripture memory was great, but it has helped me more the more that I've healed. Well, that's what I was going to ask. What's your, you know, kind of now from the sort of the 30 years looking back perspective, what's your relationship with sort of scripture, faith as, you know, how, how does it integrate in your life differently now where you are? Oh, so I think for one, it's not a cognitive exercise. Um, I think that for much of my life, I read scripture like I was reading a lab report and like I was trying to find the main point and I was trying to solve almost a mystery and get what the passage was about, singularly speaking. And um, now I've had to... Um, grapple with who the real Jesus is in the midst of my real life, whether I'm in a high place or a low place. And so I've had to use scripture in context and not pull things out of context. Now, I'm not a seminarian, so I look to people who are, but um, I try to not use scripture as a weapon against my own self or my own suffering or that of others. And I'd say I mainly have grown in letting scripture just hold me as a beloved child of God and not as a set of mandates 
that I have to master in order to get him to be pleased with me. And even though nobody was telling me that, there was a lot about the way that um, I got formed that said there are certain ways I had to be in order to be pleasing. And so in the context of being a Christian, then it, to me, made sense that it would look like me behaving or thinking certain ways. Um. So this topic is on my mind because I mentioned uh, earlier, maybe it was in the trailer, but I'm on a journey of uh, shifting gears to becoming a counselor. Yes, to join me. To join you in this work. Uh, we've gotten the privilege of doing some intensives with some couples and we've gotten, uh, I've started working with couples doing conflict resolution coaching. Uh, but one of the, the questions on my mind because I'm studying and thinking about it is, so how would you say then faith comes into play? when you are working with clients that come in. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, you are a person of faith and it's important to you. And yet um, your, your clients probably come in from all different places. Uh, talk about kind of what faith integration means or you know, what your approach is. How does that come? Into yeah. Play? So I am always holding a Christian perspective over anything that walks into my counseling room. So by that, I mean, I deeply believe that God is always at work in very specific and particular ways, and so is evil. And so I tend to think of there being a raging battle between the two forces over the heads of every one of us. And so I will speak directly to that as much as the client is interested in. I won't force that on them, um, but I will hold their stories and hold their struggles within that perspective. Um, when I use scripture, which I frequently do, um, I take care to make sure that it is used safely. Mm. And I mean by that, a lot of people have had scripture used in ways that have felt coercive or um, controlling. And I don't want that to be the presence of Jesus that I offer them. And so I want to offer scripture in a way that allows them to rest and not feel like they've got to please me by signing off on something. I can hold that God may be doing um, some work now and other work um, in that context of um you know, leaning on scripture in a visible way later. And so I'm willing to trust him to work in his timing. I don't have to do that. I can offer it. And then I can let the client um, accept it or say, I'm not ready. That's one of the things that's been fun as we've looked back over 30 years and even just, you know, noticing how we, we now operate differently. Um, it's not always perfect still, but it, it, it's much different in that. There's things we've learned, but they came over 30 years. Like there's been like dribbles and trickles and sometimes floods, floods and flows, but everything we've learned and are trying to operate out of now and what we're trying to bring anybody else came over like 30 years. It's not like oh, at yeah. year 17, we got all this and everything was fixed from there. It's right. slowly been progressive, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. And we're still learning things about each other and we're still growing now, 30 years in together. And I told somebody recently, I hope I am in counseling as long as my body and mind can attend. Amen. Like I hope that I am always growing until I'm finally fully grown when I meet Jesus. 
Well, that's one of the things that that I've found really enjoyable about as we've entered in to doing uh, our intensives and working with couples. Um, I love getting to sit with people who are in those various stages where we were, where they've still got the small kids at home. The wheels are falling off in terms of how they communicate and deal with one another. They they aren't. I mean, God bless them. They they hardly have any time for one another. They've yeah, got a it's professional rough. career. They're raising kids. Their kids have needs because they're supposed to. That's how mm-hmm. kids work. And I've loved this idea of well, we're at a life stage now where we can bring compassion and kindness. And we're like, there's there's nothing anybody can bring that we don't say. Oh my gosh, we've felt something similar. Maybe not the exact thing, but gosh. Yes, it's hard. Yes, of course, you're missing each other during this incredibly busy stage. Yes. And to be able to give some hope and say, hey, look, if you can hang with each other through this time, if you can try to find each other and, and, and you have to carve out time for each other, and it is so, so stinking difficult. But as you do that in these little ways, you get these little handholds, these little, I think you referred to it under these bits of light. That yep. sort of enough light to go forward the next few feet. Yes. Uh, I wish Jesus showed up with kind of, at least I say this, I wish he showed up with a flood get, you know, a floodlight and illuminated the path. Yeah, I'd probably me. run away <laughs> right. if he did. I probably could not handle that. I if probably had, wouldn't go farther. Yeah. If you got played like at, at a wedding, if you got played the preview of, hey, by the way, this is what's in store no. for you. <laughs> Nobody would go through with it. Human. Yeah. Humans would die off the face of the earth. Here's how many times you're going to yeah. be in the ER together or in the ER with a relative or in yeah. the ER with a kid or because of a kid. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> you're just not thinking of those. And there, there's, there's something beautiful too the naivete and the, you know, the lack of awareness that you come in with. And it's difficult yes, um, because then you run into trouble. You run into, wait a minute, you are not the person I thought you were under stress or without yeah. rest or whatever. You just don't know a person until you're really trying yeah. to do life with them. So next time we're going to stop here because we are off to get a really good dinner and to see the Barbie movie. <laughs> In the next episode, we're going to talk about a convergence of events that happened two years after we were in this geographical part of the country um, last time. And so that involves some health issues, um, pregnancy, birth of a child, a bunch of things that came together that we had to navigate um, and we really didn't know what we were doing. So we will go there um, and unpack what it was like then and what we can see now as we look back. Yes. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. The Surviving Saturday podcast is brought to you by Nurture Counseling PLLC, a counseling teaching and training center based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We help families flourish one story at a time. Nurture Counseling provides counseling, counseling intensive for couples, conflict resolution coaching, story work groups, seminars, workshops, and retreats to provide a safe and welcoming context for exploring the agonizing experiences of pain, brokenness, and evil that disrupt our lives, and that God often uses to nurture deeper trust and intimacy with Him and with each other. You can find us online at www.nurturecounseling.net.